listeners, this is part one of my discussion with Will Witheridge on fundamental truths and the importance of principles in a changing world. Tune in next week for part two. Hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, well, welcome, dear listeners, to another edition of the Jacobs Podcast. I believe we're up to episode 36, and joining me on this episode uh, from New York is Will Witheridge. Will, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back, Sean. I've missed you. Well, likewise, missed you too, and I, I know um, we've been meeting for a while to have a, um, all three of us, Jordan, yourself and I, um, on an episode, but we've, it's been really tricky with timings, etc., and travel, um, and Jordan's new addition to the family to get us all in one space at the same time. So, um, yeah, missed you, absolutely, and uh, looking forward to today's discussion as well. Absolutely. It's good to be back. Excellent. Now, imagine um, over in New York, it's starting to get pretty cold um, outside there. Yeah, it's uh, just um, just starting to get the, the heavy winter coat out. So it's it's interesting. I, you know, for like Australia growing up there, all our, all our like Christmas iconography is all about snow and winter. And yet it's, um, and yet it's, it's always hot. Mm. And it's interesting having that having that flipped when you start to live in the in the northern hemisphere yeah definitely and you know having seafood for example instead of um i don't know turkey or you know roast you know especially in brisbane you know it's boiling and hot even canberra you know that time of year yeah we still we still kind of adopt that stuff yeah uh but uh i mean they're mad for the um uh any any holiday the promotional material so Halloween's gone straight into the Christmas decorations at the start of November. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, I know in um, you know the Christmas pageants have started um, at least in Adelaide where I was last week. So yeah, early oh. days, but um, yeah, it seems to the Christmas season gets longer and longer from a, a commercial yes. point of view, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, and maybe just a quick admin note, actually, to start off with. I know I was episodes have slowed down a little bit and that's a reason for that is what i've mentioned before about um getting in the same space at the same time and coordinating things but um i had a a goal to try and get to 40 episodes by the end of the year which is also fast approaching so um i'm not sure if i'll get there but it's a commitment that i want to want to try and stick to and also just on that as well thank listeners to who have stayed engaged with the podcast even though things have slowed down considerably um so thanks very much to listeners out there always enjoy um hearing feedback and and uh staying with the with the podcast even though as i mentioned things have slowed down uh, no drop off in quality exactly. though even if they <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that, that's right and um you know it gives it a, an opportunity to refine quality as well so <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, doing our best to deliver. So um, what we thought we'd do this episode is just talk about, Will and I have been corresponding a little bit, of course, with Jordan as well, but um, you know, a couple of topics. And one thing that jumped out was this idea of the enduring or, you know, this this thing where um, things that, you know, stick around for a while in a lot of different areas, um, there tends to be a bit of a selection mechanism going on. Um, and Will, do you just want to maybe expand a bit on that or maybe just talk a bit about what prompts you to start thinking about this idea of what endures or the enduring? Yeah, I, um, it was something which came to me uh, probably about a month ago and seemed to be uh, 
a connection between a few different uh, books that I've been reading or interviews that I'd heard. And yeah, as you said, it's I think the this idea is that that we should pay attention to things that have been around for a long time. That is things that have endured. So uh, you know, ideas which uh, people continue to follow, um, you know, books which continue to sell well, uh, principles that people have lived by for a long time. So you know, an example of this I I sort of thought about is. Um, you know, I recently read the, the Catcher in the Rye for the first time, you know, a classic novel, one that I missed out on going through school. And, you know, I'd had it sitting sitting there for a long time and you, you hear so much about it. And, and then actually reading it, I could really appreciate why this, you know, this classic book has like continued to speak to generations for a, for a long period of time. And I think that's, that's an, um, you know, an example of just sort of one thing which, which continues to stick and I guess the point is that it sticks for a reason. Yeah, and obviously because it's, I think, you know, it's capturing the rye from memory. Um, I read that a while ago, but that sort of young man's kind of journey and um, I guess the sort of loneliness that he confronts and some of the, you know, things that he goes through are obviously very relatable uh, for a lot of people. Um, because I remember, and I just remember reading that and thinking, oh, wow, this is, um, you know, this speaks to a lot of things that I think a lot of people can step through um, and then I think just in the delivery of it too I was very surprised at how well it was how easy it was written and I think that sort of is another thing about you can have things you know principles that come out of a, a story but what makes it more accessible of course is how it's packaged and delivered yeah I think there's there's something to that and it's a it's a slightly strange style but really draws you in to um Holden Caulfield's character, um, but as you said, before, just about the the theme, which I think has you know, led it to speak to successive generations of you know young people, people of all ages, that that kind of um, adolescence, losing your um, innocence and kind of maturing in in the world. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's you know it's that's just sort of one example of something which um, yeah is these things are. Um, things which endure are often uh, popular for this uh, reason that there's there's something to yeah them. definitely and it cuts across like I mentioned a lot of different areas um, I know you've been I sort of feel a bit bad talking about Nassim Taleb on uh, on the podcast without Jordan Shopov here um, but he talks about the Lindy effect um, you know that Broadway show that's been playing for a certain amount of time so um, maybe just enlighten listeners on, about that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I sort of had like been had this idea of the the enduring, and then I was working my way through um, Skin in the Game, which is Asim um, Nicholas Taleb's most recent book. But he's also covered this topic in in some of his earlier works, and it just it just nails this idea of um, the enduring. So it's uh, it's called the Lindy Effect, and named after a a deli in New York, where a lot of actors and comedians uh, used to hang out, and essentially the idea is that uh, a Broadway show, which has been playing for a certain length of time, is on average likely to continue to play for that same length of time again. So, you know, a show which has been has been running on Broadway for ten years is likely, according to this Lindy effect, to continue running for ten more years, and 
you know, a Broadway show which has just been going for six months, well, that's the expected life, future life expectancy of that is just, just six years. And so, you know, we can think about this, um, you know, also for, um, for books which have been read for a long time are, are likely to be, um, to continue to be, uh, continue to be read. And um, there's a, a quote from Taleb which really captures this idea is that uh, things that have survived are hinting to us ex post that they have some robustness. And so there's a, it's, it's kind of capturing that there's, there's something to things which have uh, persisted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I certainly think that, you know, like with musicals, for example, like the cats would certainly have a certain robustness to it. Um, exactly. And not only does it sort of endure, but it kind of expands, you know, like you've got, um, you know, it's not just going to play and brought, but it'll be popular in different parts of the world. It'll be different sort of interpretations or deliveries of it. And come to think of it, actually, I was getting a, um, it's very lucky to get a massage yesterday and in the, in the place that in the spa there was the the soundtrack wasn't the sort of typical um you know um sort of spiritual kind of music and the hymnal kind of um kind of music it was actually just covers like um just you know endless kind of covers of, of famous songs so that's probably another example i suppose of this robustness um and you know ex post that like people still appreciate the core song or the you know the lyrics, but it's delivered in a different way. Um, you know, I think so. There's it, it kind of um, it goes into a lot of sort of different spaces and has that capacity to reinvent, but stay true to I guess the core themes. Yeah, and I um I remember going to see uh, the Barber of Seville, as a, a really famous opera, and I was I was just amazed by how many how many how much of the music I recognized and that had actually been picked up in and used in other, mm. um, you know, like commercials and soundtracks for other, other movies. And it was kind of amazing and, and showed that, Oh, there's actually, there's some appeal to this, even if you don't even know it mm. uh, and didn't recognize it. And it, it was kind of a demonstration of its, uh, of its appeal. Yeah. No, fascinating. And um, so one of the things that I guess comes out of that too is, um, what Prince, you know, th switching from sort of shows and musicals um, and um, themes of books, etc., to to principles that sort of individuals can hold. Um, there's also um, a point you've made uh, mention is around Stephen Covey, um, who has, you know, who's still to this day his books in the top ten bestseller list about the um, seven habits of highly effective people. Um, but in that, he talks about um, the principles that sort of tend to stick around regardless of the circumstances. Um, probably a lot of people will be familiar with with that book, but just maybe could you just go through the principles and you obviously just read that recently, I imagine. Yeah, I did. And it, it's um, it's another book which is is kind of so famous. And there's a, you know, there's a way in which you can kind of be, kind of be sceptical about these about some things that um, that endure like this, and yet, um, you know, I, I decided to I decided to read it to see what was um, um, uh, what was so what was uh, so popular about it. And uh, he he's trying to identify timeless principles which people 
um, effective people have and apply to different circumstances. And so these are kind of, uh, yeah, things that things that you can apply in, in all different circumstances. So he, he, he has a list of things like fairness, integrity, honesty, human dignity, excellence, patience, nurturance, and encouragement. And, you know, he says that while these practices are situationally specific principles, these timeless timeless things are deep, fundamental truths that have universal application. And, uh, you know, so, so I thought that this was, this was just another thing which was capturing this idea of, um, of the enduring and you wanting to connect yourself to uh, these sort of timeless principles. Yeah, because I think, you know, reading or just listening to those sorts of, um, I guess, behaviours or traits, really, that, you know, if you sort of follow those um, at any stage, uh, you know, in, of your life, you're probably not going to go too wrong. And I was prompted when reading this about a piece I wrote last year um, that the Brookings Institution, I think, had published, or maybe they had got it, the study from somewhere else. But it was about, you know, your the statistics of around experiencing poverty. And, you know, um, it, there were three things that, like, immediately drop it down. And it was, you know, finishing school, um, staying in a full-time job, and I think waiting to your 21 to get um, married or to have children. And um, apparently the stats sort of show that it, you, your chances of experiencing poverty drop to just 2% if you follow those sorts of, um, follow those three things. Now, of course, there's, you know, fat in the margins and all that sort of stuff. And But I just sort of think that, you know, like if you kind of just aim for these things, this is the whole idea of why they're principles, that um, it's sort of, you can't go wrong or it can certainly uh, pivot you in the right direction. Yeah, I think um, I agree on that last point in that it's, um, yeah, there's, I think these can be um, things that you can can try to tether yourself to or come back to. Um, and when you sort of are, are struggling to, you know, in a circumstance to know what to do, um, you know, trying to trying to think about those sort of timeless ideas or, um, yeah, time timeless principles, I think is is something that's um, that can be can be really valuable in trying to trying to steer a course. Obviously, these are you know the sort of highest um, highest ways to live and and try to. Um, uh, trying to connect with in a virtuous life. Um, but I think that, you know, as aspiring to embody those things is, is really um, a really valuable, um, a really valuable way to yeah. go, as you yeah, said. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I sort of sense that sometimes we're kind of, um, you know, do you sense that, not that these are under siege, but it's very difficult to sort of connect with principles when we've got a lot of activity going around, like, you know, going on, pardon me, with paying attention to sort of... Um, you know, reading this hour's news or, you know, rather than a sort of getting stuck into something a bit more, like reading history, for example, or learning from history. Um, there's certainly, you know, you know, you mentioned Catcher in the Rye, for example, and Stephen Covey's, you know, great book. But um, there's sort of a a bit of a blowback on, re on touching on the classics and, um, you know, looking back on sort of timeless books. What do you think sort of going on there? Is that fair, do you think, or am I sort of over cooking it a bit uh, well I think um, I mean there's 
there's a tension here in that um, I feel like we have, a, as you know, as humans, we have a, a natural desire to want to connect with uh, what's going on now in our lives and in mm-hmm. the world, and you know, that's that's all that's very natural. And um, of course, we and of course we want to we want to be engaged with uh, the world around us and um, uh, and and the present. So, but there's a there's a I think can be a value in in stepping back and, and getting perspective, and this is part of the, the value of history and um, you know, uh, and books which uh, continue to uh, continue to be relevant is that they can they can shed some um, maybe a sort of more fundamental truth on the on the present um, and uh, you know just and in our in our lives we you know we do change we do grow uh, and that that's also an important part of um, of enduring, so I guess I, I don't want uh, us to cast this as um, in any way, kind of uh, you know, uh, status quo. Um, you know, wanting to, to sort of return to a, a prior time or way of living. That actually, you know, it's important to grow and change, and that that's that's part of um, things continuing to to be relevant. So. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I don't know if that, yeah. that kind of gets it. No, fair enough. I think that there's sort of, there's a bit of, you're right, like you've hit it on the head about that sort of blowback about that you can receive by talking about principles or things that are timeless, um, being sort of stuck in, you know, looking through the rear view mirror while kind of going forward. And, um, you know, I think there's there's quite a distinction there that, like you mentioned, it's not turning the clock back to an earlier time, um, but it's really, I guess, using some of those things about you know integrity, dignity, service, excellence, etc., um, and reconnecting with those and applying them to a modern context. Yeah, and um, this this also this reminded me of um, an idea which I read in a book by um, Jim Collins, who's a, a kind of business uh, guru. Was he and, good um, to great? Is that right, Jim Collins? Yeah, 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 yeah good to great. And um, exactly, so that studies how. Uh, good companies uh, become great companies. Yeah, and he, um, but in his in his first book, which kind of um, uh, really sort of made him prominent, was called "Built to Last," and this was about companies which uh, sustain great performance over um, over decades and decades. And what he found in the, in studying these type of companies is that they uh, they preserve the core. And stimulate progress. So they they sort of combine these two things. In uh, there's some constant purpose or values which this company has, and those things are timeless. They just uh, they continue. So that's preserving the core. And yet at the same time, there's this stimulating progress, and that these companies kind of continue to change and innovate and renew themselves, um, and that. Through their sort of strategies and, and practices, there's this uh, relentless uh, adaptation that they um, undergo. So it's it's interesting this, trying to connect this uh, preserving um, core values at, and at the same time changing to the the current environment, um, which is I think try, you know a way of trying to trying to reconcile these these two things. Yeah, definitely, and I think um, that's a you know, one of the things that, you know, one of the, the authors that we look point to a lot that does this, I think, very well is someone like Ryan Holiday, 
um, you know, who goes back and he's obviously into, very into his Stoic philosophy. Um, there are others as well, like Jordan Peterson, you know, Russ Roberts of Econ Talk fame, um, that sort of do this, I think, very well about, again, applying, you know, some of those Collins principles or just, you know, something that endures with, with uh, a newer context. Um, you've have you read any holiday recently, Will? Well, you actually went to see him speak, uh, I think. Yeah, I did. I, I went to see him uh, launch his latest book, "Stillness is Stillness is the Key," yep. uh, here in New York, which just came out and um, was a you know, hit the hit the number one on the New York Times um, bestseller list. And um, Ryan Holiday is is an interesting person, and he's uh, as you said, he's um, kind of channeling stoic ideas. This is a thousands of year old philosophy into the present and thinking about what lessons we can take in, in living our lives uh, according to, to stoic ideas. And I'm, I'm actually at the moment reading his uh, first book, The Obstacle is the Way, mm. which is about um, uh, applying uh, stoic, uh, stoic ideas to, you know, um, triumphing over, over uh, setbacks and being able to sort of be resilient and uh, and persevere. So he's, I think, an example of um, you know a modern a modern writer who's channeling um, timeless timeless ideas. And and you mentioned um, you mentioned Russ Roberts, our um, our econ talk uh, teacher, and uh, he's um, he's another person who's uh, uh, wrote a book, uh, How Adam Smith Can Change Your mm. Life, and he's um, basically interpreting Smith's uh, Smith's theory of moral sentiments book into the present context and trying to sort of interpret it and provide more practical guidance for for people in how to live. And I think these are these are both examples of uh, people who um, you know they're they're popular because they're um, connecting with those uh, enduring ideas. And um, yeah, so I, I think those are some interesting examples of sorts of people who are becoming popular uh, at the moment because of because of this connection with uh, the enduring. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think you can absolutely see that because I think if you sort of, you mentioned sort of personal growth before, because I think a lot of people are kind of, you know, in this kind of, with a lot of sort of social media and the kind of fast-paced world, et cetera, it gets a bit cliche when you sort of say these things. But I think there's that, you know, the decline in social capital, um, that incapacity to attach to things that we once had. You know, our, our circumference of friends is a lot narrower um, or it's online. It's not real. I mean, human-to-human -human kind of connection. We're, you know, we're joining less sports teams. Um, the church pews are sort of thinning out. Boy Scout numbers are, um, you know, been dropping, um, and that sort of sense of community um, is has been on the slide for a while now. So there's a bit of a gap there where people are sort of, um, I guess, really reaching out for this sort of stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot more to um, things than, you know, reducing, um, you know, like things to work or just uh, purely looking at things on a superficial level. Um, that there is that that deficit in that sort of spiritual kind of core um, philosophical need that a lot of people have, and you're right. I think it's absolutely driving a lot of these elements, like we see 
today, or these very popular elements from people like uh, Holiday and Peterson um, and uh, Roberts, etc. And there are plenty more, of course. But yeah, yeah, I think um, you know an example, an, um, an example of something which um, is uh, which which Holiday is, is channeling in his most recent work is um, around uh, kind of Buddhist philosophy. And, you know, this is something which is, um, is kind of making a real resurgence in this, uh, you know, mindfulness meditation, um, uh, seeming revolution that's happening in, um, in people trying to, trying to connect with, um, you know, some sort of meditative self-reflective practice. And, uh, you know, there, there might be very good reasons why this is valuable, given that, you know, Buddhism is a religion which has persisted for thousands of years, and that there's there's benefits to um, to those sort of activities. So um, I think that's a, that's another example. And Taleb writes about this in in his book and um, in talking about religions and the why they why they persist. And it it and his his talking about that actually it may not necessarily be the ideas. Of the religion, but more the the practices, and it, this is kind of connecting with your point about community and the the benefits which that provides people. And um, I guess to that if the if those sort of practices are, are falling away uh, with a decline in religion, that, that we might need some uh, other aspects of community, which is really important in the way that humans live for you know uh, thousands and thousands of years. So I think that's um you know, that's an example of Again, a, a couple of ideas which are, are enduring and um, and in, can inform how we think about the present. So, well, yeah, that's really good points. I think, you know, you mentioned, again, personal growth before. Um, I was, one something I wanted to ask you um, personally is, have you sort of found maybe, let's say, in the last sort of five years um, that you've definitely deepened your um, appreciation of history? Or is it sort of an instinct that you've you've always had, and it's only been teased out or developed through more reading and, and I guess maturing as well. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I think it's no, I think it's something which um, I've kind of connected with a bit more in um, in recent years, as you're saying, in in just trying to. I guess I've I have made some shift to trying to engage with more. Kind of classic texts, um, and and try to understand these these sorts of ideas. Uh, so I think that's that's something which I've um, a, a kind of change I've made in um, in the last few years. And I think it's you know it's just it's just really important to uh, and, and you know, this isn't isn't a real some intellectual exercise, but can be really practical in in um, thinking about your your own life and the the world. Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, that's uh, interesting because I sort of think that yeah. Look, I, I think mine, my, it's probably been an instinct I've sort of always harboured or had that there's, you know, I think everyone has that, of course. But um, mine's probably more, I suppose, in the political space. I've probably been there for a lot longer than um, maybe, uh, you know, others. But it, it's certainly something that um, is 
yeah, definitely been refined or teased out, you know, and I think that clicks when you actually reconnect with something that you, or you connect with something, pardon me, that you read and you think, good grief, that, that makes a lot of sense and I sort of don't want to make this too political. But for me, you know, in my case, you know, when I go back and read Menzies' books, for example, um, you know, like a lot of his political or his personal political philosophy, um, certainly I read that and it clicks and it makes sense to me. Um, but then you sort of unpack that and he's going back and looking at principles from, you know, that are, you know, from the 18th century, 19th century, and sort of you go back and peel that back and it's sort of, you read that, you know, like what Churchill said about, you know, I mean, London to Rome. So you go back to that and then you, you know, you keep peeling these layers back and you sort of find that, yeah, these things are very timeless, the sort of principle, the idea of the individual, um, you know, um, the role of government, which is probably quite a relatively new um, discussion in human history, you know, thinking on thousands of years. But, um, you know, like there's a lot of these things that you sort of uh, are kind of a, a big, you know, like this, this term about standing on the shoulders of giants and appreciating people that came before you and dealing with challenges and issues. And um, then you sort of look at something um, you know, you can read Holiday, you can read Men's, which is sort of 50 years ago in his case, but then you, it's a sort of gift that keeps um, on giving and the more you unwrap it, the more you sort of see that there's these concepts or ideas borrowed from a lot of different spaces um, throughout human history and, and that go back centuries and even thousands of years. Yeah, and I think there's, it's interesting you sort of realise that there's, um, it kind of happens... Oh, it kind of happened for me as I, as you start to get older and start to you know, experience your own personal history, and that there is there's this uh, change going on, and you start to you know uh, connect with um, that sort of conversation, which I think you're talking about of around ideas and realizing that um, realizing that that uh, a lot of smart people now. Uh, are really grounded in that sort of larger historical conversation that's been going on about um, um, you know, philosophical ideas, um, yeah, human human progress, those sort of things. So I, um, yeah, I, I agree that there's um, it's you know it's an it's an interesting um, process that you go on and in um, and can really can really appreciate the. Mm. The role of yeah for sure and look like you touched on it as well about the sort of personal i mean i think you know what you do you know like with your family and stuff as well i think that's a really important thing you know um the older you get the more you appreciate um the sort of um things that your parents had to step through um and endure that's... and and you know even their parents or you know your grandparents and you sort of go back and the more you look at your family history i think really inspires more of a sense of gratitude um which is sort of something that you don't simply have well i never had in the in the in the sense i do now when i was a teenager and you know when i was sort of living this sort of fast-paced kind of lifestyle you, you're just not there in terms of appreciating it but uh certainly as you get a, a bit older these things crystallize a bit more and it certainly inspires another great um virtue or trait which is which is gratitude yeah absolutely absolutely i think um yeah, and it's and it's it can help us to just you know inform and in really engage with the present. I think in understanding, um, yeah, how we got to here and those those sort of reasons why. 
So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agree. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've sort of an apology to listeners if they've been tapping the keys and clicking at the mouse, but um, just our chat so far has inspired me to think about it. I remember um, Jordan Peterson when he's in Australia um, getting interviewed by, I think it was Richard Feidler um, on the ABC, but um, they touched on this exact same topic about you know themes and um, you know things. Um, appealing to people and I remember taking the writing the quote down from Feidler because he was absolutely bang on about this and he and I'll just quote here um, and this is about the protagonist and you know this idea of the hero and why it's such an enduring thing in our stories from sort of Star Wars to, to everything else and I'll just quote so Joseph Campbell wrote about this George Lucas read it it's there in Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey it's there in Star Wars it's there in the Wizard of Oz there's the hero the world is out of joint. The hero is living in this kind of strange environment. There's the call to adventure, which is refused. Then there's the exceeded to. You go into the world, you encounter shapeshifters and allies and secret adversaries. And then you go into the evil kingdom, take the elixir, bring it back to the village, and the good world is restored. And um, I think Peterson said uh, absolutely spot on. And I think that's a, that's a really good summary there about why stories endure over time and that sort of connection ex post yeah it's a yeah really nice um really nice quote and um yeah i was i guess at this point i was, I was just thinking about um uh and yet there's and yet there's things now which um which will exist and and be be things that endure in the future um, and I was thinking about something like um, Hamilton, the um, this uh, getting back to our Broadway Broadway musicals, uh, and that's yep. uh, Miranda. Something is is interesting in that it's like a um, it's you know, a musical connected to the founding of the U.S., but in this you know completely new um, new format and. Um, in you know combining a lot of sort of uh, hip hop um, type uh, type elements in the uh, in in the music, so and, and that's that seems like something which will endure for for a long period of time, um, and is is kind of a good example I think of you know in, uh, standing on the standing on the shoulders of giants or building and extending uh, on um, on cultural sort of progress, so. Um, yeah, I guess I um, just wanted us to also keep in mind that there's there's going to be this continued dynamism and progress, and and it's a it's a really interesting um, um, interesting you know combination of of uh, things that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because I think and that sort of loops back again to the idea of how something's packaged and what its appeal is, and um, you know um, Juan Manuel Miranda, I know has um, been sort of thanked by a lot of I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was, but someone I was reading recently just made the point that he's done more than sort of any history professor or any sort of popular writer could do in terms of bringing, um, I guess, founders sort of principles to a modern audience and reaching much more, m many more people in a very interesting format. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very good, like you mentioned, it, it's, um, there's a bit in the packaging there, but it, it's worth keeping in mind that these things, you know, going forward, you know, set their own sort of enduring um, elements as well. 
Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to that episode. As mentioned, that is part one. Part two will be next week where we talk more about principles and applying it to other areas. Hope you enjoyed the episode and a reminder to please rate the podcast or whatever medium you listen to it on and share with your friends. And please get in touch with me at seanjacobs.com.au if you have any thoughts for future ideas or future episodes. Hope you enjoy the listening and until next time.